are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. We started this series on hurry last week, and uh, I've only had 700 people tell me to slow down this week. (laughs) Once was when I was crossing the street in front of the church, and uh, somebody actually rolled down their window and yelled, slow down, you're not supposed to hurry. Um... We, we said that hurry is the great enemy of the spiritual life. And the reason is, is because when Jesus was asked what's important, he said your relationship with God, loving him, and your relationship with your neighbors, loving them. And relationships take time, and hurry doesn't have time. And so this week I want to talk to you about what we allow to have our attention and how that could affect our pace of life. So I'm going to start by asking you a question, and when I do, you're going to say, uh, that came right out of the Bible, because that's not language we use every day. And so here's the question. You ready for it? you got to look me in the eye, because uh, I want you to answer the question. I don't want anybody to not answer the question. So would you see yourself, describe yourself as a person who stores up treasures on earth, or would you see yourself or describe yourself as a person who stores up treasures in heaven. So your mind's probably reeling right now. Okay, yeah, that's not language I use every day. I don't talk about treasures too much. I think I know what he means by treasures on earth. That's probably like, um, you know, money or material things or maybe even intangible things like fame or something like that. Treasure in heaven probably has eternal value, but although Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is here, now it's at hand. But I don't really think in terms of treasure too much, so why don't we stop and talk about treasure, okay? What do you think Jesus means by treasure? I I think he's talking about something in the category of what's important to you or or what you value. Or or here's, here's a good one, okay? I think he's talking about what you give your attention to. What has your eye. Dallas Willard, who is known for lots of writing about spiritual formation, said this. He said, the first act of love is always the giving of attention. Do you remember the first time you fell in love? Or do you remember the first time you thought you were in love? Did you give that person any attention? I I cannot argue with this. The first act of love is always the giving of attention. So when we think about treasure, we may think about what is important to you or what you value or what you love, or what you give your attention to. So in a moment, I'm going to read these words from Jesus in Matthew 6, if you want to open your Bible. But I think what Jesus is trying to say to us is really clear, and I think it's more simple than we sometimes try to make it. And I put it in a sentence that I kind of like, and so here's what I think the main point is of Jesus' words. Pay close attention to what has your attention. 
Pay close attention to what you give your attention to. Pay really close attention to what gets your attention. You better give a lot of attention <laughs> to what's getting your attention. Pay close attention to what has your attention. I, I, I wonder if, if you ever wonder if, if maybe you get near the end of your life. Will you, will you ever look over your whole life and, and maybe in the midst of all the hurry and, and all the busyness and all the going and all the doing and all the trying to accomplish, do, do you ever wonder if one day you may look back on it and say, I wonder if I missed the important stuff? It kind of reminds me of Jesus' words when he said, what would it profit A man, if he gained the whole world, what if you really did? I mean, what if you became a Bezos or a Elon Musk? What if you became a billionaire? What, what would it profit if you gained the whole world? But, but you lost your soul. And from the words of one of the greatest movies ever made, oh, brother, where art thou? Not your everlasting soul. Yep, first amen from you right there, yeah. So let me take you to the words of Jesus. In Matthew 6, verse 19. Do not. I think when Jesus says do not, it's pretty important. Store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin, you know what vermin are? It would be like a small animal, maybe even a rodent, or, you know, maybe insects that eat away at something, destroy something. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. That's one of three very concrete examples or pictures that Jesus gives in this passage. Here's the second one. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. That's kind of like a side note, right? But it's pretty true. Once you find your treasure, you found your heart. Here's the second illustration. Uh, the eye is the lamp of the body. If, if your eyes are healthy or single focused, uh, the eye is like a lens, and you let a lot in your body through your eye, right? A lot comes into your life through your eye. So the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. In other words, if you let light in, then you're full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. In other words, if you let darkness in, then you'll be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness... If, 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 if you think the darkness is light, then how great is the darkness? I mean, and then here's the third illustration. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. And then Jesus says, you cannot, it is not possible, it cannot happen. You cannot serve both God and money. 
this is God's word for us today. And, and these words of Jesus are so powerful. Uh, as we walk through them this morning, I believe God's going to speak to all of us. My wife, Annette, and I were married only about three years. We had our first daughter, Brittany, and she was only two years old. And, uh, and we were living in an apartment in Nashville. We were pastoring our first church there. And we had gone away on Christmas Eve to be with Annette's family only about an hour away. We, we drove back to our little apartment that night. And then the next day, we were going to go be with my family. And, um, and when we walked up to the apartment door... I got Brittany in my arms. I've got a key ready to open the door. But when I reach to put my key in the door, I realize the door is open about this much. And then I realized the door frame was busted. And in that moment, you know, you're computing, but you realize somebody's broken into your apartment. The door won't, won't even close. Everything's broken and messed up. Lights are on. And so, you know, I don't know if they're in there or not in there. They were not in there. Obviously, they'd be gone for hours. But, but all the gifts that we had under the Christmas tree for Brittany to open the next morning and to take to my family the next day were all gone. A bed sheet was missing. We assumed they threw them in a bed sheet, tied it up, took off. Every drawer was dumped onto the floor. Refrigerator, freezer door standing open. All of our stuff had been stolen. Never happened to us before or since. I was, I was at a guy's house the other day. He's, he's rehabbing it. They just bought it. He had torn this, like, wallboard off the wall. And he walks me over and he says, see, look, termites have been eating away at this. And, and it was hard to believe, but you had, you know, two befores. And they were almost gone. Jesus is saying, don't base your life on something you could lose. What, why would you base your whole life on earthly treasure? You can't count on it. There's, there's no way in the world you can be sure it's going to be around. As I was walking through this this week, I remembered the words of Jim Elliott, a missionary who gave his life to share the gospel. Do you remember his words? He said, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Earthly treasures you can't keep. Heavenly treasures you cannot lose. I, I know this is a challenging conversation because we are Americans. We are affluent people. We drove here in cars. Walter Brueggemann, an Old Testament theologian who is still alive, and I think maybe 90 or almost 90 now, theologian, 
A few years ago, he said, most of the world's resources pour into the United States of America. In fact, he said the majority of the world's resources pour into the US. He said, but the more wealthy we become, money has become almost like a narcotic for us. We are barely aware of our own prosperity. But what's worse, we are barely aware of the poverty in the world. And he says, here's the great contrast. The more and more wealth we have, the less and less generous we become. And you would think it would be the reverse. Because haven't you always said, if I had a lot of money, I would sure help a lot of people? But as we get wealthier, we don't become more generous. And he says, although many of us in the church are well-intentioned, we have given into consumerism. And he concludes by saying, we have a love affair with more. How much? Just more. And we will never, never have enough. I'm always amazed when I see pro athletes striking. And you're like, well, how much money do they want? You know what the answer is, don't you? More. However much money we gain, how much do we want? More. And so this is where it leaves us. If earthly treasures have our attention, we have to live at a faster pace in order to accumulate more because we will never have enough. If earthly treasure is where it is for us, if this is what has our attention, if this is what's important to us, if this is what we value, if this is what we love, If this is what has our attention, then we've got to live at a faster pace <laughs> because we've got to get some more. There's so much more that we desperately want because we'll never have enough. You see, slowing down to focus on relationships with God and others is not an option when you have to have more. And slowing down and having to have more cannot coexist. So I've been thinking lately about all of life. Uh, I told you that I read a couple of really good books. Uh, John Mark Comer's The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry and John Eldridge, Get Your Life Back. And, uh, and in all of my reading, um, I had an experience that really made me think hard about this. Um, but most of the stuff that we are, you know, having our eye on that has our attention is all about helping us save time when you think about it. So much of it is. So I drove here today. Um, boy, it saved a lot of time as opposed to having to walk from my house, right? I mean, think about how much time you save when you own a car, right? These are time-saving devices. Uh, isn't that why we buy them? Uh, save time. And, and so when you think about 
Oh my, you could just make a list. I didn't, I didn't chop wood and build a fire and cook food yesterday. We got a stove in our kitchen. You just turn on the gas and, uh, and you've got fire to cook on right there. It's, it's an amazing invention. And think about how much time we save because we own things like stoves. I sit at a laptop every day of my life and think about what is at my fingertips. I don't go looking and digging. Uh, I'm not hanging out in libraries. It's all right there in front of me. I mean, think about it. Just everything is right there. And when you think about a time-saving device, folks, look at this right here. This is amazing. I mean, I call people instead of going to their homes to talk to them in person. Uh, think about how quick it is even to text. I don't even have to talk to you on the phone. I can just text you and get you know, communication taken care of. Emails are much better than putting something in the mail and letting somebody carry it to you. Then you open it and reading it, and then you writing something, put it in the mail, send it back to me. It's all about saving time. And, and you could just make that list a mile long. So what are we doing with all this time we've saved? And at what kind of a pace are we having to live in order to have all these time-saving devices? I, I think it's really important that we just kind of kick back and say, hmm, how'd we end up here? One of the questions that I was asked in my reading was, is this new speed Christian? And I think it's a question worth asking. Jesus gives this illustration, the eyes. There's, there's good eyes, there's bad eyes. He's trying to say what, what you look at, what you take into your life through your eyes, pretty significant. Here's another way to say it. What has your eye? Another way to say it is what has your attention? John Mark Comer says it this way, what your life, or rather your life is the sum total of what you give your attention to. Your life is the sum total of what you give your attention to. So I would just say to you today, give your attention to God. If, if God has your eye, then what has your life become? Let me say it another way. Let me give you the next line. Here we go, okay? Uh, put the next one on the screen, if you will. What you give your attention to determines the person you become. That's heavy stuff. You're telling me what catches my attention determines what kind of person I will end up being one day. He gives this last illustration. You can't serve both God and money. Well, Rick, I was kind of thinking uh, when you asked, do I store up treasures in heaven on earth? Can I say both? 
And Jesus says, no. Eventually, one day, you'll choose between the two. But with all of our affluence, how do you sort that out? Can I have things and not treasure them? Is that possible? One of, one of my favorite stories I, I heard when I was in my early 20s, I was attending a church in Kansas City as a seminary student, and we showed a series uh, called Turn Your Heart Toward Home by James Dobson. Anybody in this service remember? We watched it set in in our church on Sunday nights over a period of four to six weeks. And, and in that series, he told a story that, that I haven't forgotten, don't assume I will, about playing Monopoly with his kids one night. And, and he says, I was winning. I was becoming a great land hotel owner. Um, and I was flaunting my wins and my riches. I had money stuck behind my ear coming out of my shirt pocket. I even had it stuck down in my shoes. And I'm bragging and I'm celebrating my victory. And finally, when the game is over, my kids and my wife were so mad at me, they just said, we're going to bed. You put it up by yourself. <laughs> and so he said, I'm putting everything back in the boxes. And as I am, he said, I... Uh, I begin to feel as empty as I've ever felt in my life. And, and he said, I felt like God spoke to me because God does speak to us. And he said, Jim, if you'll listen, I'll teach you something. This is what life's like. You, you accumulate and you earn and you gain and you build up and you save and you gather, and then when you walk away from the table, you take nothing with you. It all goes back in the box. So you live your whole life accumulating, gaining, acquiring, earning, saving. And then at the end of life, when you walk away from the table, you don't take any of it with you. Every last penny goes back in the box. Wow. And so Jesus says, don't base your life on something you're not going to keep. Base your life on something that you'll have forever. And so I'll just close with this, that Jesus... Uh, didn't live his life desiring earthly things. In fact, we get the impression he owned nothing. Instead, he lived in what we call simplicity. And I understand when you're talking to me and you about simplicity, it's like speaking Greek because we're Americans. But I think we would do well to spend some time this week focused on simplicity. And asking ourselves the hard questions about earthly treasures. And so, if you're like me, you're like, oh, Rick, my goodness, I've got a long way to go.
And so we happen to have a little grace for you today. And you receive some when you came in. And we do believe that this act that we're about to participate in is not just a matter of us remembering which it is, but it's also about God expressing grace to us even in this moment. And so what I'm challenging you to do this morning is to pray for grace, is to ask God to help you to sort it all out. And so when Jesus was with his disciples, he took the bread. And if you would open the bread at this time. And he broke it and he gave it to his disciples and he said to them, this is my body that is broken for you. I want you to take it and I want you to eat it, all of you. And then he took the cup. And he said, this is my blood of the new covenant poured out as a ransom for many. Drink it, all of you, and be thankful. And thankful we are, Father. Because if it wasn't for grace, we would have no hope of living the life you've called us to live, of being the people you've called us to be. But today we humbly come before you, asking you to help us put our attention on the right things to slow down and to major on what's important in life. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.